Welcome to the Big Church Podcast. We are a church in Barrie, Ontario, Canada, and we hope you are blessed by this message. For more information, check out our website at bigchurch.cc. Well, we're gonna um, we're gonna go into uh, the Bible. How many know it's a good thing to read? And um, we're gonna look at um, the book of, of uh, Corinthians. We're going to do the whole chapter. Are you ready? Because this talks about the resurrection from the dead. And why do we have the resurrection? Because like the angel said, why are you looking for the living among the dead? A lot of people are searching out a lot of dead things to try to find something alive. We have a culture where you can grab all kinds of things. And most of them are dead. They're just soulish and they're dead. And I'm asking you that question. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Because we are not going to find it. Everything we, we need is found in him and is in his spirit and all that he is. And the resurrection from the dead is our hope. It is, it is what carries us because I don't live for just now. I live for eternity. When I receive Jesus, I, I, don't, I no longer die. I, I'm going to shed this body off one day, but I live forever. I, I get the upgrade. I always call it the upgrade. And you know, my, what I want to do, I want to run for God my whole life. Retirement, there's no retirement. It's called refirement. You get refired for God. And when you're older, you, you can do more for God. You're given more time. You can pray more. You've got more wisdom. You've got more to give to the next generation. It's not a time to be sitting around twiddling your thumbs. You don't stop. You keep going. And when this thing doesn't tick anymore, adios amigos. I don't want to drag around, be away to anyone. I want to run for God And when I'm done running, my next move is to glory. Get the upgrade, my heavenly body. We're going to look at this today because the scriptures are are so clear on this. And I want us to to look at this because um, when we read the scriptures, Paul was so clear on this. And we're going to look at this in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, now, let me remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before, before. You welcomed it then, and you still stand firm in it. It is the good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you. Unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. Now, it's, it's important that we believe the good news. You know that everybody believes something. You know that even the choice to not believe is to believe that you're not going to believe. It's still... You're still a belief. You're choosing not to believe. And you believe in that. So I choose to believe this, and there's several reasons we're going to look at this, why we choose to believe the good news. He says here, I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins. Just as the scriptures said, he was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. 
Now, do you notice that he keeps saying, just as the scripture said? And I can't get into this tonight because um, there are hundreds and hundreds of scriptures that prophesied how he would come, how he would die, where he would live, how he would live. Hundreds. Not just two or three. Hundreds. And some of them, a thousand or more years before he came. And every single one was fulfilled. Every one of them. And the cool thing about it, and I could, if you can do a whole study, I did a whole semester on it because there's so many. It just blows your mind because, you know, sometimes if there's, there's prophecies, let's say everybody could like sit down and say, okay, this has to be fulfilled and we got to do it this way. You know, task people would be like, this is exactly what, and what is supposed to be done and this is how it's supposed to happen. Half the things that happened were not in anyone's control, and no one knew that they were supposed to happen. The man who got the tomb, it says, uh, one prophecy was, he would be buried in a rich man's tomb. Jesus didn't go and buy some expensive tomb. He didn't go and coax some rich man. He just carried on, and God put it on the heart of a rich man to give him his tomb. And he asked for the, the body of the Lord Jesus, and he said, I want to put him in my tomb. Jesus had no control over that. None. His disciples had no control over that. And yet hundreds of years before, it was prophesied that he would have a rich man's grave. And there's so many, so many, so many that there's no way he could have planned all of it out. So th that's why it says, just as the scripture said, just as the scripture said, and on the third day, just as the scripture said. Because it, this wasn't a thing that was just concocted, and, and, and we've got this out there, and everyone's just got, you know, all this wisdom, because, you know, the internet has given them all this knowledge. It's like, this is knowledge, and this has happened, and if you look at it, you can't deny it. And then it says here, after the, all of that is fulfilled, then it says, verse 5, he was seen by Peter and then by the 12. So here's witnesses. These are witnesses that saw him after he rose again. And after that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers. 500. After he rose. At one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. And last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him, for I am the least of all the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted God's church. And this is what I love about this with Paul. A murderer is writing this letter to the church. Jesus literally redeemed a murderer and a murderer of God's people. When he knocked Paul off his horse, he was Saul at the time. God had to give him a new name. But before he was Paul, he was Saul. And he was riding on his horse, and a bright light came and knocked him on the horse, off the horse. And he said, Jesus said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Me. Paul wasn't persecuting Jesus. He was persecuting his body, but Jesus took it personal. And he says, why are you persecuting me? Because his body is him. And that's why 
we don't put down the church of Jesus Christ. I don't care about your preferences. I don't know. You can put down this. It's just like with brothers and sisters. How many know you have an annoying brother or sister sometimes? There's annoying traits. You're like, oh, you know what? She bugs me. There's this. I don't like this about my sister. You know, there's that that goes on in the body, right? How many know that happens with churches? Right? But in the end, we need to go back to the basics. We're family. We stick up for one another. We don't tear one another down. Come on. We don't sit there and destroy them. I, I have lots of fun joking with, we're, we have prayer time now every Thursday afternoon with a bunch of ministers. We're just gathering over Zoom, and we're just praying because we're desperate for more of God. We need more of God. I got Baptist, Anglican, Catholic, uh, Pentecostal, uh, us, we're the big church, big mouths. But we're all there, and you know what? We can laugh at one another. We can laugh at certain things that we got from our denomination, and it's like it, we can laugh at it and have fun, but know that we are all one in Jesus Christ. That's what's important. Amen? And so this is what Paul was saying. Look, even I got in. And that's what I love about this, the good news. There's no discrimination. There is no discrimination whether it's a tiny little sin or it's murder, in God's eyes, it's all black. We have this measuring rod of sins. Oh, that one's really bad. Gossip is as bad as murder in God's eyes. It's all black. All black. It's all dark. And it's separated from him. And he wants us to be free from it. But what he, then let's go to verse 10. He says, but whatever I am now, it is all because God poured out his special favor on me. And now, and not without results, for I have worked harder than any of the other apostles. Yet it was not I, but God who was working through me by his grace. So it makes no difference whether I preach or they preach, for we all preach the same message you have already believed. But tell me this. Since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying there will be no resurrection of the dead? For if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless, and your faith is useless. And if we apostles would all be, and we apostles would all be lying about God, for we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. But that can't be true if there is no resurrection of the dead. Then he says here, and, it, and it, if there is no resurrection of the dead, the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless. And you are still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. <laughs> if all of this, if there is no resurrection, if there is no final victory in all of this, then why live the way you do? Why Try to be holy and all of these different things because it's not going to matter in the long run. It's because we live for eternity. Our eyes 
are not fixed on what's here. Our eyes are fixed on heaven. Where our eyes are fixed on a heavenly home, a heavenly standard, a resurrection. I don't know about you, but I, I'm liking the resurrection more and more every day. How many are, 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 that's a hope we have, and I'm thankful for it. But he says, but in fact, has Christ been raised from the dead? But Sorry, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. You know, so many times we're so quick to believe about sin and how sin came through one man, but we're, we're not quick to believe that the resurrection came through another man. And we can receive that as easily as we receive sin. And it says here, and just as everyone dies, because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. Amen? Thank you, Abby. <laughs> One amen. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I kind of needed a new life when I came to Christ. It was like I needed the upgrade on a life. And because mine was really not good. So thank God for a new life. But there is an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest. Then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. And after that, the end will come when he will turn the kingdom over to God the Father, having destroyed every ruler and authority and power. Wow. This beats any Star Wars movie. This beats anything. Christ will defeat every power. Every power. And it says here, um, and the, for Christ must reign until he humbles all his enemies beneath his feet. I want us to um, think about this. Christ will never settle for less than complete victory in your life. You might settle. And when you settle, you won't be happy. Trust me, I know. There's, there's areas where I've settled sometimes. And I'm like, uh, I just don't, I don't want. And he's like, no, I want victory in that area. I want you to conquer in that area. I want that fear gone in that area. I want that. And you're like, no, no. And you, and you, you try to push it back, push it back. But how many know it never goes away? Why? Because he must subdue every enemy. Every enemy. That's why the, the most unhappy people are people who knew Christ and then they stepped away. And they can't go back to sinning and they can't go back to all that stuff without having that gnawing continually at them. Because Christ will pursue 
victory in your life and my life. Aren't you glad? You know why I'm glad about that? Because I haven't always pursued it. I haven't. There's times you settle. There's times you just kind of, ah. Uh, but you know what? There comes that time where he keeps pushing and he pushes. And he's, why? Because he wants every victory. Every enemy must be subdued. Because it says here, Christ must reign until he humbles all his enemies beneath his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. For the scriptures say, God has put all things under his authority. Of course, when it says all things under his authority, that does not include God himself, who gave Christ his authority. Then when all things are under his authority, the son will put himself under God's authority so that God, who gave his son authority over all things, will be utterly supreme over everything everywhere. Isn't that awesome? You know what I love about the Godhead? The Spirit, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? All three of them work as one. It's like the perfect marriage. They agree. They are all very different in what they do, but they all have the same purpose, and they respect one another, they honor one another, and they fulfill one another. It's the perfect unity. And Christ even, he comes under the, the, the Father's authority at the end when everything's done. And God reigns supreme over everything, everywhere. And then it says, verse 29, if the dead will not be raised, what point is there in people being baptized for those who are dead? Why do it unless the dead will someday rise again? And why should we ourselves risk our lives hour by hour? For I swear, dear brothers and sisters, that I face death daily. This is as certain as my pride in Christ, in what Christ Jesus our Lord has done in you. And what value was there in fighting wild beasts, those people of Ephesus, if there will be no resurrection from the dead? And if there is no resurrection... Let's feast and drink for tomorrow that we'll die. How many have heard that? Come on, let's live it up. Tomorrow might not come. And everyone's just living for the now and living for, oh, this is all we've got right now. Let's, let's, let's soak it all in. It's like this, if this is all there is, boy, we missed out. Thank God this is not all there is. And when we don't live for just this, Heaven opens up things for us, even on earth, that are available, that you cannot get any other way. Don't look for the living among the dead. Don't look for the living among the dead. He's alive, and everything that he gives is life-giving. And so, when, when Paul says this here, you know, one thing we got to remember, and I want to pray, this one thing I want us to do right now. I want us to pray for the persecuted church. Um, I want to encourage you. There's a website. Um, it's, uh, I don't know the, the name of it. It's, it's for the persecuted church. And they give stats of different things that the pers persecuted church goes through and different things that you can pray for. And I encourage you to do that because 
we live in this bubble. You know, we think, oh, you know, they've shut our restaurants down. We're really, it's hurting right now. We can't go out to eat. Oh. It's like the persecuted church globally, they are laying their lives down. And it's unbelievable what they are facing. And they are laying their lives down willingly. Why? Because Jesus is real. He is more real than this life they live in. And they are willing to lay their life down for a much greater reality. And they are doing it by God's power. So I want us to just lift up the, Lord, we just lift up the persecuted church and, and many in the third world countries, but God, all over globally, your church that is, is being persecuted and, and brutally persecuted, God. We thank you for your grace that is with each one of them, that you give them the grace to stand, to stand, and I thank you that you give them a glimpse of eternity, and you, you pour out, you said where sin abounds, your grace abounds even more. So we thank you for your outpouring of your grace upon them. God, that you give them the grace to stand and you give them the grace to be faithful to the end. We thank you for your provision, God, where, where the body of Christ can come and help and, and, and bring provision. We thank you. We call that in in all the different ministries that are able to go and give aid. God, we, we thank you for your continued provision. We thank you that you would continue to rally your body to minister to those believers all over the world where we can minister to and, and, and rally us together to be able to um, uphold our brothers and sisters in the Lord. We thank you for calling your body together to strengthen one another. And we bless the persecuted church today. We bless them, Lord. Be close to them today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go to verse 35. It says, but someone may ask, how will the dead be raised? And what kind of bodies will they have? How many are interested in what kind of body you're going to have? <laughs> <coughs> what a foolish question is what Paul says. He says, when you put a seed into the ground, it doesn't grow into a plant unless it dies first. Bummer. <laughs> you got to die first. And what you put in the ground is not the plant that will grow, but only a bare seed of wheat or whatever you are planting. Then God gives it the new body he wants it to have. A different plant grows from each kind of seed. Similar, similarly, there are different kinds of flesh, one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are also bodies in the heavens and bodies on the earth. Uh, the glory of the heavenly bodies is different from the glory of the earthly bodies. The sun has one kind of glory, while the moon and stars each have another kind, and even the stars differ from each other in their glory. 
It's the same way with the resurrection of the dead. Our bodies are planted in the ground when we die, but they will be raised to live forever. Amen? I remember we were at a funeral, and they were lowering. This is when our kids were little, and Andrew was with me, and they were lowering the casket down into the ground. And Aunt, he, he pokes me during the funeral. He's like, Dad, Daddy, Daddy, why are they planting him? <laughs> and it's like, they were planting him. It says here, in the same way, our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die. Andrew had it right. <clears throat> but they will be raised to live forever. Amen? We are afraid about death. We're afraid. We, we fear it so much. We, we preserve our lives so much that we risk, that we, we, we don't risk living for God. We miss so much because we fear death. We fear the unknown. We fear failing. We fear what we can't control. Death will come, and it's not, nothing to be afraid of because once it comes, we're gone. Amen? We live forever. It says here, our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. Amen? Some, you know, some deaths are brutal. But it doesn't matter, the brokenness. When you know Christ, as soon as you pass over, you are raised to glory, and you are more alive than you have ever been. You might die in brokenness, but you're raised in glory. They're buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. They are buried as natural human bodies, but they will be raised as spiritual bodies. For just as there are natural bodies, there are also spiritual bodies. The scriptures tell us the first man, Adam, became a living person. We know that God made the clay, breathed life, and he became a living person. But the last Adam, which is Christ, is a life-giving spirit. When we receive Christ, he gives us a life-giving spirit. And that's why when we serve Christ, there are a lot of things where he has you sacrifice and lay down. And there are things he gets you to do, and you're like, oh. But when you do it, it's life-giving. And you're going to find, when you search out your comfort in other things, like it can be TV, it can be all kinds of different things, you won't get the life-giving that you receive when you sacrifice and you do those things that God would have you do. Prayer. Sometimes prayer is not convenient. Sometimes prayer is, you, it's hard to get it going. But when you take that time to pray, it's life-giving. As hard as it might be, it's life-giving. And he gives us that because he is a life-giving spirit. What comes first is the natural body. Then the spiritual co body comes later. Adam, the first man, was made from the dust of the earth. That was great. I lost my spot. 
Where was I? I can read it from the screen. While Christ, the second man, came down from heaven, earthly people are like the earthly man, and heavenly people are like, okay, this is why I read from the iPad. (laughs) Sorry, just let me find it here. Earthly people are like the earthly man, and heavenly people are like the heavenly man. Just as we are now like the earthly man, we will someday be like the heavenly man. Amen. So what am I saying, dear brothers and sisters? It is that our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These dying bodies cannot inherit what will last forever. (coughs) And this is a perspective that we have to remember. Although we know that provision has been given for healing, provision has been given for all kinds of things that God wants to give us, and that to be able to walk in victory here, we continually are contending with an earthly vessel. Amen? We, still have, we have to always use deodorant, right? Have a bath or it just gets stinky, right? And all the rest, it's, the, it's earthly. It's like, it's decaying, right? It's annoying. <laughs> But they cannot inherit what will last forever. He says, but let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die. But we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment in the blink of an eye when the last trumpet is blown. And whether we're going to be here on earth or whether we're going to be in the grave, boom. When the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Amen? Aren't you glad? Then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives it, gives sin its power. But thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? He gives us victory over sin through our Lord Jesus Christ. That is the only way we can have victory over sin. That is the only way. And this is where he ends it. He says, so, my dear, Dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Because of this, be strong and immovable. 
there's ever a day and age that we need to be strong and immovable, it is now. It is now. Thank you for joining us today. We pray that this message has truly blessed your life. For more information, go to bigchurch.cc. Thank you.